Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. We're starting a new series called Chasing Carrots. The reason we've called this this series Chasing Carrots is it's all about the things that the, the devil puts in front of us to make us follow. You know, that's, that's what happens when you put a carrot on a stick in front of a rabbit. That rabbit is going to try and get that, ra- that stick and it's going to keep moving. And, and we're like this sometimes, you know, with the things that of life. And, and they're not often bad things. Nothing wrong with a carrot, right? Nothing wrong with a carrot. Nothing wrong with fame. Nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with power. There's nothing wrong with a lot of these things. But, but a lot of these things the enemy will use... And he'll turn them into the main things of our lives that we're chasing after. And he'll use them to get our eyes off God and onto other things. And um, once he's got our eyes off God, he's got us. He's got us. We're on his plans. We're within his, we're in his uh, grip. And, and a lot of people don't realize this about the enemy, the devil. He's not a cartoon figure. You know, when I say the devil, I don't know what you think of, but I, in my childhood, the, when you say the devil, I imagined like a cartoon figure, like this guy with pointy, you know, I used to, who knows that band ACDC, right? ACDC. You think of like that guy who used to play his guitar with the devil horns and everyone's like, oh, it's so evil, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's so evil because he's got devil horns. You know, that, but it's this cartoonization of the devil. The devil ain't a cartoon. And he's very clever. He doesn't have a pitchfork. I don't know. That's that like he's not like this, you know, guy with a hat and a pitchfork. And, and he doesn't, ha- he, you know, he doesn't have this like <laughs> evil laugh type of thing. He's not a cartoon. This is a crafty, crafty, crafty being who knows how to get around you. He knows how to get around you. The wa- and and he's and he's and the reason he wants to get around you is to get you off the plans of God because he is jealous of you and your calling. And what you, God has for you. And the way he works is not, is not through, you know, bad things. Like, here's the thing. The enemy's not going to say, like, he's not going to put, like, some sort of, like, you've never taken drugs before, okay? And, like, you've been the cleanest person in your life. And all of a sudden, he's, you put drugs in front of a person that's never taken drugs. And most of the time, they'll be like, no, I don't do that sort of thing. What he's going to do, he's going to put something in front of you that you desire. He's going to put something in front of you that you want. Because he knows that it's something that you want is going to give him power over you. And hence the reason we're talking about chasing carrots. We need to be aware of the good things that the enemy may bring into our world to put in front of us. You've got to understand something about the, the Garden of Eden. Eve took the apple because it looked good. If it was an ugly, rotten apple that she could see that was... If she knew what it was going to do, if she, could, she knew what it was going to do to her destiny, she would never have taken it, but it looked good. It looked tasty. And the enemy had made it sound really good that she was going to get some power and extra knowledge that God himself was holding out on her. Man, it sounded good. That's how he works. So we can get into this rhythm of life where we're chasing carrots, chasing things that, that, that the enemy has actually put in front of us. Um, and one of those things, there's many of these things, but one of those things is fame. And over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at some other things. Fame is one of them. That's this week. Perfectionism, perfectionism is next week. That's another thing, perfectionism. Money and stuff, that's a good one, money and stuff. Um, approval is another one. The last one, week five, will be about comfort. Comfort, comfort. These are carrots. There's many more. 
But these are some of the main ones that the enemy will use and get you to chase um, in order to get your eyes off God. But let's talk about fame for a second. Why are we talking about fame? Well, you see, fame, fame, what fame does, fame takes your eye off others, it takes your eye off God, and it puts it on yourself. A lot like money. Money will do this. Money's not a bad thing. Fame's not a bad thing. But what these things will do is they'll take your eyes off others. They'll take your eyes off God. And they'll put your eyes on yourself. It's a problem. Okay? Now, you might say, well, hold on a second, Ryan. I ain't famous. Okay? I'm not famous. Well, who knows? But... uh, When we talk about fame, you see, there's something in every one of us. We may not be famous, but there certainly is these micro-desires, these little desires that we have that are for fame. Uh, Do you like me? Do you recognize me? Do you validate me? Do you accept me? See, all of these little, these are little micro-desires for fame. They're the same thing. They're these drives that we have within us to, 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 to get validation. And, and somehow, for some reason, and I struggle with this too, we feel like what we do and who we are is more real when somebody notices when, than when somebody doesn't. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's like, well, if I can talk in front of one person, that's okay. But if I can talk in front of... 50 or 60 or 100 or 200, suddenly I'm nervous. Suddenly I'm feeling like, because there's a lot of people that will or won't give me their approval. It's that that thing in us that we need to be accepted, that we need approval. So we all have, you might not be famous, but we have these micro desires for fame, for acceptance, for validation, for recognition. And here's the thing about these days. See, when I was a kid, being famous was different than what it is now. You didn't have Kim Kardashian when I was a kid. Kim Kardashian is famous for being famous. I don't even know why she's famous, but she's famous. Why is she famous? I don't know. She's just famous, and she's so famous. And she's making a lot of money about it. It's like, how can... I don't know. I put up a photo of something on my Instagram. I ain't getting all these likes. I'm getting money from, you know, L'Oreal and Revlon and all of these sorts of things. Like, what's going on? How, how is, see, see, now we're in the, living in a world where social media has caught on to the desires of humans to be accepted. The whole thing that is driving, that gives social media its power is the like button. The like button. I mean... If you, if you go on social media and suddenly by some funny reason that the, you know, say in, in some fantasy world that the government suddenly decided to ban the like button, social media would die. Why is that? Because it's like, well, nobody's liking my things anymore. I found with myself, okay, I have a weird relationship with social media. I'm 
bit older, I kind of missed the boat. I'm like one of those in, in my generation. Okay, I'm a generation. They didn't even have a proper, like, a generation X. It's like X. We don't know what to do with these guys. We're just going to call them X. Okay? <laughs> We're just before everybody. Anyway, so, but, so I missed this whole social media. So I was already quite grown up. So it wasn't, yeah, I've learned it in my 20s. So, so um, uh, one of the things that I've noticed when, as I've just observed myself with social media, I'm on and off it all the time. I sometimes I, I get on it and I like it and, and then I get addicted to it and then I realize I'm using it too much and then I delete it off my phone and then I sort of think, oh, I wonder what's on my Instagram so I put it back on again. I'm like that with Instagram and all of these sorts of things. I'm on and off it. I'm anyway, what I've noticed about my behavior with social media is when I, put up a, when I, when I start really going onto Instagram is when I've put a post up. When I put a post up, why? Why? Why do I keep on going on? To check if it's been... And, like, you know how your phone, like, tracks your usage? Have you, has, you, has your phone got that? My phone's got this thing where it tracks your usage. Like, my, my usage spikes, like, you know, the number of pickups, 555. I'm like, why am I picking up my phone so much? Well, I wonder if anyone's liked the photo that I put up of, of my daughter or of, uh, that I put up of Rachel. Like, why? I wonder. Rachel's more famous than me on, Facebook, on, on Instagram, way more famous. So if she likes it, then others are going to like it. But see, there's this thing pick up my phone and I, I just, and it's not, you know, I, I feel kind of guilty about this, I'm going on about this a bit, but now I put up a photo of my kids and somehow I feel really popular because people are liking it, you know, and there's almost this line that I can feel myself crossing because I need acceptance, I want people to like me. And even though I know that it's not, I mean, you know, apart from all of you guys who know me, you like it, it's all good. But then there's these other people that I don't know that kind of like it. And, it, and I'm taking that on as, oh, you know, oh, I feel, oh, oh, whoo, I had a hundred likes on that. Wow, I'm so special. High five myself, pat myself on the back. But there's also this feeling of emptiness on the inside. Because we can all fall into the trap of living for likes, but not knowing the love of the Father. And this is the thing. This is the carrot with fame. Where we begin to live for likes, but miss out on the love of the Father. Our eyes are constantly, uh, constantly looking at the likes. And who likes me? Who accepts me? Who validates me? Who's, a, who's, 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 who's? And, and this is what fame does, is what I'm saying. It takes our eyes off God. It takes our eyes off each other and it puts it straight onto ourselves. And we become this kind of this internal where we're looking for approval all the time. And the enemy will get us into that position because you know why? Because he wants to get you trapped. He wants to get you empty. He wants to get you off your calling. And this is one of the ways that he will. This is one of the ways that he will. We all have this. Don't we? We all do. And you know, psychologists will tell you, they'll tell you this. They'll say that, that the, the, the desire for fame has roots in some sort of image. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Okay? It's okay if you desire to be famous. The fact is, before I say what I'm about to say, the fact is, is if you are the best at your game, 
If you're the best at your, and you're the top of your game, you're the best in your industry, or you're up in that upper echelon, there's probably a good, there's a good, good chance that you're going to become famous in one shape or form, okay? And I know that this church is a pretty influential church around the place, so we can have, sometimes have famous people walk in, but it's because they're just good at what they do. There's nothing wrong with being famous, but there's, if there's this desire, if there's this desire within us, okay, we need to be aware that sometimes this, this desire actually comes out of, psychologically, it comes out of a desire, or it, it comes out of where there, in our childhood there's been injury, where there's been neglect, where we've actually felt insignificant. Psychologists will tell you this. Um, where maybe, maybe there's a lot of the time when, when uh, children have grown up in homes where the parents are really hard to please, where nothing is ever right, where you've never been able to be good enough. A lot of the time, the children will come out and they'll want to do something that makes them and puts them on that platform because of the neglect that happened in their childhood. Maybe, maybe there's been significant moments where, where as a child or in growing up, that, that one has been rejected by their friends rejected by their friends, where the key people in their world just rejected them, cut them out. Or, or, or maybe, maybe they just know that feeling where they're just constantly overlooked. They're just being overlooked. And they want to break out of that. They want to be noticed. They want to be seen. They want to be validated. It's a driving force. You know, for me as a child, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't Mr. Popular. I wasn't like, I didn't stand out. I was a very normal, freckle-faced kid. A very normal, freckle-faced kid. I, you know, my, we didn't have, you know, we, my mum used to just shave my head. Just shave my head. I wasn't trendy. I used to wear shorts that were too short, okay? Shorts that were too short, and I had these long, skinny legs, and I was this skinny kid. And, uh, you know, when, when they used to pick... When they, I'm making you all feel sorry for me, but when they, you know how they used to do, okay, we got two team captains, you know, the two team captains, I wasn't good at any sport because I had a lot of allergies and gluten stuff going on, so I was a bit unco, okay, and so, so, the, oh, we're choosing two captains, okay, kids, you choose someone, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to choose Tom, uh, Harry, uh, there's Ryan, uh, uh, Sam, uh, I'm like, hey, and every time I'd be the last, oh, okay, Ryan, you're the last one, I'll take you. That was me, that was the kid, got overlooked. I have to watch this in myself, I have to watch this in myself. As I was preparing for this sermon, I was actually, man, I was getting convicted, because like, man, sometimes I know there is this desire in me that comes out of this whole feeling of just being overlooked. And the danger of it is, and I think this is for all of us, the danger is, that those are the things the enemy will latch a hold of and put in front of you and th- for, for, the, uh, for one reason, the only reason, one reason to take you off the plan of God for your life. But don't worry, it's all good. The Bible says something about this. There's some good news. Look, look at the person next to you because it's getting a bit serious and quiet in here. But you can say to them, it's all good. It's going to be okay. It's gonna, let's see what the Bible says about this. Let's see how Jesus handled fame. Because who knows? I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was pretty famous. Okay. John chapter 7. We're going to turn to John chapter 7. And uh, we're going to read from chapter, verse 1 of John through to verse 9. 
After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. It's not very nice. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, um, I'll just explain to you what the Jewish festival of tabernacles was. Well, I'm not going to really explain it, but it was the biggest festival. So they had three big festivals. This was the big one. This was when everybody from everywhere came into one place and celebrated for this festival. They were all there. If you were going to make yourself famous, if you could do something, this would be the the time to stand on a street corner in the market and begin to do it. This was the time, okay? So Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee, Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. Now, here's, listen to this. Here's their advice to him. They're, they're becoming his, uh, his social media marketing agents. They say to him, No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. It's your time, Jesus. You should be more famous. You're not famous enough. And who knows, Jesus, if you get famous, then we might be able to, I'll be your manager, okay, Jesus, and, uh, well, your, your other brother here, well, he can, he can manage the funds, don't get that other guy to manage them, now, let's do the most important things, right, this is what these guys are doing, and then it says in verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him, therefore, Jesus told them, my time has not yet come. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. My time has not yet come. You know, the thing with this micro desire for fame, it's all about doing whatever you can to make your time come, to make your moment come. That's the question, right, that we have in our souls. It's like, God, when is my moment? I'm struggling over here. When when is everybody going to see me? When is everybody going to see what I can do? How come I keep getting overlooked, right? But here's Jesus. He's saying, I'm not going up to Jerusalem, to Judea, because my time has not yet come. What was it that was driving Jesus? That even in moments where you would think, Jesus, being Jesus, being able to do what he could do, would just go and do anything. And that's what he's saying to his brothers. Like, your brother, you, you, you guys, it doesn't matter what you do. You can do whatever you want. But for me... Well, my time's not come yet. And he's pointing out the difference between one who follows God and one who doesn't. That's what he's doing. Because the one who follows God, like Jesus, see, God and Jesus are one. And you can see this thing with, with, with Jesus where he is constantly saying, talking about how he is, is one with the Father and that he must be about his Father's business. Even when he was a child, even with his mother. When he was in the temple, his mother left him, and she went home. She didn't realize he wasn't with them, and she went a few days. It's a good mother, Mary, right? 
went a few days and then realized, oh, where's Jesus? He's not here, even though we've been away for two days, okay? Where's Jesus? Okay, so, oh, Jesus is not here. So they go back, they find him, he's in the temple, he's preaching. Everyone's like, who is this guy, right? And he's this little kid, like Elijah's age, talking about all of the deeper things of life and impressing, like, everything out of these guys. And they're like, uh, and, he, and, he sa- and his mom's like, where were you, Jesus? And he says, no, I, I'm in my father's house. I must be about my father's business. That's what I'm up to. What are you up to, mum? Leaving me for two days. <laughs> Constantly, Jesus is talking about how he is about the father's will, about the father's time. It's not about his time. It's not about what he has to do. It's not about every the light shining on him suddenly and, and miraculously him becoming this awesome. It's about the will of God. So, so Jesus' mantra, instead of up in the time, Aiga, it was, Mira same nahi ayahe. My time has not yet come. My time has not come, was what Jesus was saying. My time has not come. So often it's like, no, my time has got to come. Please let my time come. God, I want my time. Jesus is like, no, 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 hold on a sec. My time has not yet come. Can I read to you in, in another part of John, in John chapter 6, in the previous chapter, Verse 38, Jesus said this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. What was Jesus' point of existence? It was the will of the Father. And Jesus was a man of prayer. He was a person that would constantly go and pray. He would constantly go and uh, align with the will of God, get with God. And he knew what it was he should be doing in in order to follow the Father's will. You know, there's something we can do is align with the Father's will. You know how you align with the will of God is just through prayer through devotion with Him, just just through getting with Him, being in His presence, He begins to speak to you. But we have to be silent in these moments. A lot of the time we're talking to God about everything that we want, everything that we want. Oh God, I want this, I want my time to come. God, I wish my time would come. It's like, God's like, okay, when you've stopped talking, I'm going to tell you my will. And and it's, it's like His will is good and perfect. And it's fitting. It's what you're made for. It's what Jesus was made for. It's what you've been made for. But there will be moments where you'll feel uncomfortable and you'll see things pass by. But you'll know in God that it wasn't the right time. I thank God for some of the things that I've prayed for in my life that haven't happened. I really thank God that they didn't happen. Because now on this side of them, I know that I wasn't ready. The circumstances weren't ready. Things weren't happening and my life would be completely different had I got what I was praying for at that time. I thank God. I thank God. We have to be comfortable with the fact that our lives are about God's will, not ours. We have to be comfortable with this. That's what our lives are for. And what fame does or these micro-desires for fame, these micro-desires for recognition, these micro-desires for approval, these things, what they do is they get our eyes off God. 
and His will and put our eyes squarely on ours. And the moment that happens, we are within the devil's reach. He has us. Because he's just going to keep putting carrots in front of us to make us feel like we're getting what we want. Until such time as we realize, oh man, I need to get back to God because I've gotten into a place where I'm empty, I'm broken. This ain't going where I thought it would. And this can be in any aspect of our lives. It can, this is why people, people sometimes like overcommit. Have you ever said yes, 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 yes to people? And, and, and you're like, you're saying, as you're saying yes to someone, you're like, your, your, your mind is saying no, but your mouth is saying yes. So you're like, yes. And it's coming out. And you're like, why am I saying yes when I know that I should be saying no? That is a micro desire for fame. That is an approval problem. You want people's approval. You're living for likes. Problem, right? Comes out in the most crazy ways. We end up overworked and underslept and in situations, doing things that we don't want to do because we're just craving approval. We're craving recognition. But the crazy thing is we have a God who has given everything for us. Who has no conditions for you coming to Him. Because everything that was required was paid for on the cross. Everything that was required was done. So that you could just enter into His presence and know Him. This is God who has made this way for you. And when we begin to realize that we have been given this this, this opportunity, this God has made a way for us to just know Him. And He's even paid it forward for us. He went on the cross even before we were born. He went on the cross even before you believed in the, in the hope that you would believe so that He could rescue you. You're fully approved. You're not rejected. You haven't been overlooked. You've been looked at. He sees you. This God, when we begin to realize that this God has accepted us, He's accepted us. We can come as we are to Him, repentant, like, I know I've been away, God. I know I've, I've gone. I know I've drifted off. And Lord, I just repent. I commit to You. And maybe that's a prayer that we need to pray every single day. But you know what? Because of the cross, it's all good. And you're going to find that because of the cross, you're going to begin to change. You're going to begin to overcome sin that, that holds you back. You're going to begin to see some change in your life. I tell you something, life gets good when we begin to understand the approval that God has for us. And when you think about this, the creator of the universe approves of you and who you are and has made a way for you. Who cares what anybody thinks? Don't be fooled into living for likes when you've been loved by the Father. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, this one's a bit, of heavy, a, a bit of a heavy one. You can hold the person next to you. You can hold their hand, you know, it's, it's, and, and tell them it's going to be all right. You might get a fright by this one, but don't worry. We had the gospel, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus said this. He says, Not everyone 
who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen to this. Did you hear that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus, 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 okay, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is for us. This is for you and I. This is for you and I. Now, it's a little bit chilling. It's a little bit like, whoa, that's a bit serious. But, you know, Judgment Day is a bit serious. It is a moment where we need to know whom we belong to. We need to know where our allegiances lie. Where do we, where do we, how, do we, how do we know where our allegiances lie? Well, you'll know them by the choices you're making based on whose will you're following. And we have to be aware the enemy wants you to get you. He wants you to be thinking of you, not of him, not of others. And so we need to be very aware. We need to be very repentant constantly. The person who kind of got this, I mean, there's others in the Bible, but one of the, one of the best examples uh, of a person who got this was, was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, now John the Baptist had an opportunity, okay? If you don't know who John the Baptist is, well, well, he was the guy who announced the arrival of the Messiah. Now, who knows that that is a good opportunity for fame. Like, you announce the arrival of the Messiah, the King of the world, who's going to change everything. You can leverage that. Like, on the side, because of all of his likes and all of his fame, you can be like, well, I'm over here too. And while you're working for him, you can kind of get his, his kind of fame. That's what John the Baptist could have been doing. That's how it kind of works nowadays, right? That's how it sort of works. Okay? But here's what John the Baptist said in John chapter um, 3, verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. That's what he said about Jesus. He must become greater. I, I must become less. This is what we need to do. This is how we can apply this into our life. We need to remind ourselves. We need to, we need to say this to ourselves over and over and over again. When we, when we fall into the trap of living for approval, he must become greater. I must become less. God, I've got to get my eyes fixed on you. I've got to get my eyes fixed on you. It's not about my will. It's not, every, it's not about everything I want. It's about everything that you have. It's about your plan, not my plan. He must become more. I must become less. He must become more. I must become less. More of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. And, and there will be, there's some questions that you can ask yourself that will tell you who's greater, you or God, in your, in your world. Question one is this, is there, who, who, who do you represent? Who do you represent? You know when you post, when you post, who do you represent? Do you represent God? You know, my dad, my dad, when I was a teenager, I... Um, I, re- I grew up in a really strict home, really, really strict, legalist home. The thing about strict homes normally is eventually the kids, they get really double life and they get a bit crazy. You know what I'm talking about? It's like if you're over strict with your kids, you've got to kind of 
you've kind of got to kind of be smart as a parent, right? Strictness isn't going to work. Like just being like, nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. So I, that, was, that was my, my, my parents, have, um, they've, they were just scared. Um, so, and they've apologized. They're good parents. Like it's no bad. But they were too strict when I was growing up. And, and I ended up being this naughty kid. But one of the, one of the things that um, my dad used to say, because he knew I was probably up to no good and probably up to doing, doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And he, he used to say, Ryan, just remember who you are. Just, be, just, I'm like walking out the front door, you know, see you, Dad, peace, yeah, woo, I'm going. And I had a car at 17, 16, you know, and it's like, I'm out, I'm free, okay? Uh, so it's like, uh, see you later, Dad, I'm out. And he's like, Ryan, yes, Dad, remember who you are. Remember your last name. Remember the family that you represent. Okay, Dad, peace. But it used to, like, annoy me because I knew that saying meant, Ryan, don't you go and do something stupid that would misrepresent who you are and who you belong to, the family that you're a part of. And we have to ask this question. You'll know whether or not you're living within your will or God's will by asking this question in your general life, in your workplace, in your interactions with people. And I'm convicted by this as much as you are. Who do you represent? Who do you represent? Do you represent yourself? Or do you represent the family? What's your last name? Where is your name written? Where is your name written? Is your name written in heaven? Yes, it is. That means you're in. That means you're in the family. (laughs) Who do you represent? And the second thing, that will help us to, to, to as, a, as a kind of like a, a check on who, or, 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 or us becoming less and him becoming more, is the second question is, whose approval matters most? Whose approval matters most? This is a big one. I struggle with this too. Whose approval is it that you're actually looking for? Is it God's? If it's not, problem. It's a problem. If it's anybody but God's approval, it can even be really great people in your life and you're living for their approval. Listen to me, it's a trap. It's a trap. The only one that can give you consistent, constant, never-changing, faithful approval is God. No human can provide you with the approval that your heart needs. It's a trap. It's a carrot. The enemy wants you to be chasing approval on everything and everyone but God because he knows that you will chase that carrot constantly because of the needs of your heart. The needs of your heart can only be met by God. And when we align with him, it's not about, oh, I'm a bad person. I've been doing all of this wrong. No, it's not about that. It's about aligning with God and getting God's heart for you and understanding he approves you of you, not falling into the traps of this world. Who do you represent? Whose approval matters most? C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. 
For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.